You guys can be seated. I want you to turn in your Bibles. You know, I've been on the subject of prayer and first service was excellent. I want to invite you to go listen to last week's service. All of our services are online. All three of them are there. And they're on Facebook, YouTube, and all over. If you look for them, if you're online, you can look for them and see them. It was very different last week. There were three different services. But the last one I spent dealing with the subject that I want to, again, go with today. So I want you to review. And I don't want to spend my time to review this morning. I have little time. So let me ask you to go to watch the third service from last week. Pick up the principles on prayer from last week and gain them today. Prayer is vital to the church. It's not something that we haphazardly... Uh, adventure into every single believer every believer has to become a prayer and you can pray and ask God to help you do this you can ask the Lord to help you to pray but there are things I've come to realize as, as we do in life and you know when I look at the brother Sammy I want him healthy and I don't want him sick and and all those things and we know God heals and delivers and thank God that they were able to remove that thing and all that but then I thank God he'll be he'll go home and use some wisdom yes amen amen <laughs> sleep it sleep it I told him if you don't have to if you can't come to work tomorrow don't come amen but but uh in doing the things that God asked us to do we are where we want to be right. he's here because that's where he wants to be when it comes to the to, to prayer as a whole, it is a decision that we will make. If we don't make any prayer meetings, if we come to pray at the church, it is because we decided to do it. If we come to Wednesday night prayer, it is because we made up our mind that's what we're going to do. We went to the football game Friday night, and uh, they were playing their scrimmage game. And so at this football game, Steve Bryan had an opportunity. Maybe he was going to play. We weren't sure. Um, anyway, long story short of it is, is that it was at 10 o'clock. Well, my wife don't stay up late that night. She goes to bed and gets up early. And so 10 o'clock is really about her bedtime, a little bit before that maybe. Or I mean, she's, she varies a little bit, but she ain't going to bed at midnight. You understand? And so here we are about to go do this football game at 10 o'clock at night. It might start at 10, might start at 1030. And we get down there. I never had to beg her. I mean, I, I, I didn't have to say, would you come to prayer? Would you please come? Can I please? Will you please come to prayer? Can you please? I mean, uh, to the football game, will you come? She wanted to get in that car, drive over there to Wilson High School, and go watch her son play. It was automatic. Does everybody understand what I'm talking about? It was automatic. She wanted to do it. And I didn't have to beg her to do any of that stuff because that was in her heart. To go see her son. Now, I'm saying to you in this church, when we have desires and things we want to do, we do what we want to do. Look at your neighbor and say, you do what you want to do. You're here at church today because you did what you wanted to do. There are others didn't come to church. That's not what they wanted to do. We go the places we want to go because that's where we want to go. We'll spend nights up and have no sleep to show up somewhere the next morning that we want to be there. We'll do whatever. We'll stay in hotels that we would never stay in. Somebody ought to say amen. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When you just, because it was in your heart to do it. Now here's what I'm saying to you. To get into the house of God and do the things of God, to be in a prayer meeting or be involved in God, it has to become a desire you have. It has to be something. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of the things that we do for God are things that we become habitual in doing. 
that we make it a habit of our life or a decision of our life as a man decides in his heart, so let him give. I know that it's your decision. Now let me go beyond that. If your wife doesn't want to go to church, how would that stop you? How many of you do things, let's be honest, men don't, don't tell too much, but maybe it's video games or whatever it is. How many of you that your wife would be, I mean, a lot of wives would hate for their husbands to play video games, but how many of them, wives, you tell me the truth. Let's do this. How many of your husbands play video games regardless? Oh, you don't want to tell because you're afraid your husband would be mad. I see. But the fact is, is that we do what we want to do. And what would stop me? Listen, as far as I'm concerned, if my wife didn't serve God, it won't change me. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to go to the house of God. I'm going to be in the house of God. If my wife didn't want to tithe, I'm going to tithe. Because that's what I'm, I, I know what the word says to me. And there's an individualization about faith. And then there's the broader prospect of faith. You'll never influence change in anyone if you don't make the commitment yourself. It starts with you. And let me ask you this. What would stop you from going to a prayer meeting? I don't know if you're a youth or an adult or, or whatever area that you're in in life. There, this is a season when your pastor is inspiring you. I'm trying to get zeal inside of this church because prayer is absolutely a function of the church. The Bible says the fervent effectual prayers of righteous men and women avail much. And listen to me. People don't get saved if we don't pray. And here we are in the church and God has called us to see people get saved. It's His desire that none should perish but that everyone should come to everlasting life. If we want to do anything for the Lord, if we want sown seed in our life, if we want victories for the future, if we want emeralds in our crown, it is that we saw souls saved. That we did the work of the kingdom and many of us miss the fact that prayer is the central core to you doing the work of the kingdom. How many understand what I'm talking about? Prayer is essential. It is vital. It is crucial to the church. God said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. I want you to say that uh, God's house shall be called a house of prayer. I want to say it again. God's house shall be called a house of prayer. Never get discouraged with prayer. Never get depressed with it. Never get down about it. If you have issues and you're feeling uh, that, that you need to um, be more inspired, don't you believe God will inspire you? The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means He can add a prayer desire to you. He can make prayer more inviting to you. He can help you to exercise yourself in the area of prayer. And prayer is essential to the believer. See, it was really simple when I was a little kid. It was really simple. This is the simplicity of it. You'd go to church and you'd sing a little song, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. How many remember that simple song? Did anybody ever sing that in children's church? Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. That's how simple the Word of God is. So I'm saying to you as a church, this is a time to be inspired to pray. This is a time for us to come and pray. There are things in the world that are fighting us that we don't even realize. Today... I was showing this to a man this afternoon. I didn't know last week what I was preaching. I wasn't trying to be conspiratorial and all those kinds of things. But I, I got an invite to be involved in a financial process with a brand new company. The brand new company has come up with a brand new biometrical chip. They announced it today. It has no wires. 
It has no electrical parts that you would think of. It's all chemically done. I'm not exactly sure, but it's an innovation that was just invented, and they've just announced it to the world. A biomedical chip has been invented for the world. That came because I pray. God showed me that not only because of His Word, but as a prayer, the Lord was inspiring me last week for what was going to be released this week. That we as the church should know what's being given to the world. They call it the greatest innovation in world history. Well, sure it is, because the Bible declared that one day something like that would be in the world. Uh, The church has to wake up. If ever we as a church needed to get back into prayer. See, COVID has detached the church from the world. And it detached a lot of believers from the church. And we got so distracted with that, that we stopped doing believer things. We stop being effective in our believer life. We stop praying like we should. We get discouraged with church. We're not as invested in the house of God as we once were. And the world wants nothing more than to, to distract us from what God has called us to. He called us to the church. My church. My church. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's God's desire. God's will will always come to pass. When God said He was going to build a church, He meant it. We better realize, born-again believers need to realize, we're at the end of this thing. This isn't game time. We're not at the maybe He's coming moments. We're at the time when as believers, we better learn to pray like we've never learned to pray before. If ever there was a time to pray for mom and dad, and husbands, and wives, and aunts, come on, you can clap, and uncles, and sons, and daughters, and mothers, and fathers. Time is drawing short. Yes, you're short in your life. You only have a grass worth of life. The Bible says, what is your life? It's but a vapor. You only have that much anyway in the 70 or 80 years that you live. You don't even realize in that time how that you're just not an infinite creation. You're finite. It's going to end. And you take for uh, granted that you're going to live the next minute or the next hour. But you don't know. And as believers, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. We better get ready. We better tell our family. We better inspire them. Now is the time, Paul said, for salvation. Right now! I'm preaching too good. Y'all are too quiet for my great preaching. I want everybody here to shout out, Hallelujah, Pastor Steve. Somebody say, Amen. Come on, I'm not getting enough yet. Amen, Pastor Steve. And you know, if you're throwing the preach it, Pastor, give them the word, Pastor. Shout, Hallelujah. Say, Amen. Come on, come on, it helps when you get involved in the sermon. And the Bible says we're to pray for laborers. It's not independent of our prayer life. Moms, dads, husbands, wives, children. We have to pray that God would send laborers. We have to believe and pray and pray and pray that God would move on us. The church must become prayers again. You have to pray. Somebody say amen. I mean, what a simplicity prayer actually is. We pray to the Father in Jesus' name. I want you to analyze your life. Let's be real, real, real honest about it. Because your kids are going to college. They're going back to high school, going back to elementary school. You're doing all kinds of things. You're working jobs and all kinds of things. I want you to really analyze. I mean, for real. How much time did you spend praying for your children and their college experience this year? Was it the, I pray that God bless you, keep you, watch over you, and that you're safe this year in Jesus' name. Bye, we're going home. 
How much time did you pray over your children's athletics to ensure when they got out of the car and they got on the football field, they didn't break their neck? I'm not getting enough amens, but I'll keep preaching. Maybe if I go over here, I'll get more amens. Maybe more of you have done this stuff. How many of you spent the time and the quality necessary to ensure you have a sanctified Holy Ghost, one flesh marriage? What, what, what amount of fasting did you do over your wife or your husband? I want my husband saved. I want my wife saved. Oh, really? How much time did you pray for them? I want to pay all my bills. I need to get my finances turned around. Really? How much prayer did you put into it? I'm not getting enough shouting. I'm going to keep preaching until somebody in the room shouts. How important is prayer? The fervent, effectual prayers of righteous men and women avail much. When I get done preaching, I pray that I have inspired you to tune up your prayer life. You've got to tune up your prayer life. Amen. Shout it again. Shout it again. Shout it again. Shout it again. Amen. Tune up your prayer life. Our prayer meetings aren't here for us to pray. They're here for you to pray. We designed these prayer meetings so you would fill them up. We put people in there to lead those prayer meetings to give you a place to go and join together with believers. There's something about corporate prayer that makes the power of God available in the house of God. And I'm telling you, if we want to see God burst us out and break us forth and turn us loose and open the doors and make us go further and go towards heaven more, we've got to get down on our knees. We've got to get our eyes down on the floor. And we've got to begin to pray to God, seek God. He said, spend time with me. Get in my presence. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadows of the Almighty. If I want the shadows of the Almighty... If I want the power of God surrounding my life, I've got to get in the presence of God. Stimulate yourself this morning. I need to pray. Somebody shout that out. I need to pray. I need to tune up my prayer life. I pray when you get in the car. See, it's not where you pray. It's that you pray. When you get in the car and the windows are rolled up, people ought to think you're talking to yourself in your car. They don't look at you. When you get in the mall and you're praying in tongues, walking down the down the hallway, and you're just sobre para nombre, they ought to think you're just praying in a foreign tongue. And they think, oh, he must know another language. You're just praying out of God. You're just letting it come out of your spirit, man. Prayer is, is essential. Oh, I pray to God, Lord, that when I get done with this, that our church is inspired to pray. Our wives and our husbands would not be unsaved. Our mothers and our fathers would not go unsaved. As for me, oh, I'm not getting enough right there. Somebody ought to catch what I'm trying to say. Somebody catch what I'm trying to say. I'm not sending my son or my daughter off to college so that they don't serve God. I'm sending them with a hedge about them so when they get there that every influence of the devil that comes to attack them is thwarted and defeated and they're surrounded and hedged about. They're going to come out of school saved and serving God. They're going to work for the Lord. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God.
I picked it up in the first service. I think we ought to just pick it up in this second service. I want you to pray against this COVID. I want you to stand against this disease. We curse COVID in the name of Jesus. In this service, we say COVID will not last. It will not make us sick. It's not coming in our house. I thank God for this church that the angels of God, the Holy Spirit, and the power of God will keep us and surround us. If somebody gets the disease, they're not going down. They're going up. I thank God they're not going to end up on respirators, sick and disease. But glory to God, they're healed in Jesus' name. A thousand may fall on my right hand. Ten thousand at my left. But it shall not. Come on, church, pray a minute. Come on, pray a minute. We resist that foul thing. Not on my children, not on my family, not in my office. Go ahead, just pick it up for a minute. church build your church yeah build your church <laughs> oh hallelujah oh hallelujah go ahead build your church build your church Shout before you're seated. Come on. Hallelujah. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. I want you to say, as I don't receive COVID, I will not receive COVID. I stand against COVID. I stand against this thing that came from hell. It's not coming in my house, not living in my body. I'm going to be well. I'm whole. And I'm healed in Jesus' name. It shall not last in my house, in my church, in my children, in my family, and in my life. No matter how it comes to the world, 
I shall not be defeated. If God is for me, doesn't matter what's against me. I will make it. I will survive. Because God said, I'm healed. I'm whole. I'm delivered. In Jesus' name. Come on, give him a shout one more time. One of the great evangelists of the world made this statement. He said, it seems God is limited by our prayer lives. And that he can do nothing for humanity unless somebody asks. I want to say this one more time. It seems God is limited by our prayer life. And he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we, we wanted to go there. It says, I exhort thee that, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving thanks be made for all men. One of the great factors of the church, and one of the things that we should do is pray for one another. There should be a camaraderie and a family unity among us that we care about the body of Christ. We care about financial needs. We care about physical needs. We care about social needs. We care about health And we watch for those that are here or are not here. My wife is a great knowledge person. She really knows everybody in the church. She knows your family. She knows you. Knows your kids. Knows even people around you. That's so-and-so's brother. So-and-so's sister. That's their uncle. That's their aunt. That's so-and-so. You know who that is? She knows y'all. I can't say I'm on the same page. She has an ability. If she notices that you're missing, she asks me. Steve? Have you seen so-and-so at church? And I'll say, I don't know. Because this is a big church. And I, I tell you the truth, most of the time when I preach, I'm looking at the back wall, not at you. I know you think I'm staring right in your eyes, but that ain't true. <laughs> I look right over your head, look at the back wall over your head, and you think I'm staring you in the eyes. I shouldn't tell you that because a lot of I get to preach and I'm looking at the back wall and I'm right here, I'm looking at the back wall and you think I'm looking at you and look down. <laughs> I think I'm preaching at you. And she knows you. And so we find out. We want to know where you're at. And you know, if you're, if you're gone for a little while, she's going to call. How many of you had? No, don't do that. But she'll call you. Uh, I was noticing. Uh, <laughs> some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. She's calling you. She wants to know. Because we care. See, we have a love for you. Our, no matter how big Family Worship Center gets, we've stayed, you know, it, it doesn't matter how big it got. We're connected with the people because God called us to do that. And we have a heart for those that are here or those that are missing. We know and we care. Now, the Bible says that the church is to be that way. The church, the whole church, you and I are to pray for all men and pray for them that God would bless them, heal them, prosper them, and anoint them and help them with their businesses and inspire them, give them strength. We're to pray for them. This is what prayer meetings do when we come together and pray. And I I want to encourage you, listen, while I'm preaching on prayer, starting this week, starting when you leave today, I want you to think about... A prayer meeting you're going to come to this week. Look in the bulletin. Look online. Find out what you have to. And think of how you could make a prayer meeting this week. A Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning. I know it would be difficult. I know it's challenging. But like everything else, it's something we have to develop. We have to develop our prayer life. 
And, and I, I love something. I want to read a, an article just, just so that maybe it helps us to understand, you know, what this great evangelist said about, it seems God will do nothing for men except they ask him. Let me just read this to you. This is a text out of the book, The Art of Prayer, which I'd recommend you maybe get some prayer books out of our bookstore. But prayer is going to define the difference in your life as well as others. This is not just for adults. This is for young people, children, youth, families. Listen to me. If you don't bring your children to church, they won't come to church later. If you don't bring them to a prayer meeting, they won't come to prayer meetings later. If you don't, if they don't see you engaged, they won't be engaged. Every once in a while, I drag my kids here to prayer meeting in the morning. I don't do it often. They've got school, other things. I'm not just trying to wake them up at six in the morning to get here to church to pray. But occasionally I drag them over here and make them come to a prayer meeting. And the reason I do that is because the greatest and most important thing in their life is spiritual things. And so I want them to gain the spiritual knowledge of those things. This is a week. It might turn into more, but at least let's start this week that we fill our prayer meetings up at Family Worship Center. That you make the effort, the, 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 the extraordinary effort to come to a prayer meeting. I'm not talking about every prayer meeting. I mean, that's not how it works. We have seasons of things. I feel like as a church, we're in a season of you need to pray more. I want to inspire the church to pray more. That I want to get to you when you leave, you feel the need to pray or sense the need to pray. Sense the need to find that intimacy with God. Pick it back up in your life. Without it, we're going to be failures. Great success comes from prayer. And I watch people who are successful and businesses are growing. God's doing things for them. They don't realize what prayer did to inspire it. No, you're not always up here with prayer. You don't always feel capitalistic and ready to go and I'm jonesing to get to prayer. I get it. But the effort makes a difference everywhere else. My marriage is better because I pray. My children are better when I pray. My house is more in tune when I pray. My family is more inspired when I pray. My life is more inspired when I pray. I hear from God more when I pray. And I need to hear from him. I'm not, I'm not one of these people, and I've used this story a lot. Let me use it again. When I think about fish in the water and loving to fish, when you catch a fish out of the ocean... And you see him in the ocean water in that beautiful, you know, environment that he normally lives in. There's such a color on those fish. There's something, that it's almost profound what you see, the blues and the greens and, and the yellows and the things that just pop off of the fish. When you take him out of the water and you put him on the boat within minutes, all of that beauty that's in the ocean begins to drain and he becomes flat. And all those colors don't glisten like they did in the ocean. Believers, listen to me. It is in the presence of God that we gleam. It's in the presence of God that we glisten, that we're bright and full and we're full. I have to stay. I don't know if you're getting what I'm talking about. I, I don't know about you. I can't talk about you. I would think it's probably the same. But I'm only beautiful when I'm in His presence. <laughs> It's not worth it for me to be outside of his presence. I have to wake myself up with this scripture every once in a while and say, Steve, you, you really haven't been in love with him like you were four weeks ago, three weeks ago. 
I, I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not staring at a church that feels any different than I do. There are weeks that go by that I let my prayer life dwindle and I notice that I'm less in tune. Less in tune with God. Less in tune with His presence. Less effective. And I know it's time to step right back in and get into the presence of God because that's... Come on, somebody ought to shout out amen right there. That's where I'm beautiful. Come on, somebody. That's where I glow. That's where God uses me. And so I tell you now, it's time for all of us to tune ourselves up. When you get into your prayer life and you get into that depth of prayer, you're going to find an equal desire in serving God. But listen to this. I was reading the other day a writer who made the same statement. But this fellow added, why is it so? And he said, I don't know. What doesn't he know, I ask. Then I found myself, I didn't know either. Yes, if this evangelist statement is correct, and it seems to be, as you read through the Bible, then we who are to pray should know more about it. So I began examining the Bible to find out why. If God wants to do something in and for humanity, He cannot, it seems, unless somebody asks Him to. And I found that answer through the study of the Scriptures. You see, though some people have built up spiritual air castles, that God is running everything in the world, He is not. During the Vietnam War, a nationally syndicated newspaper columnist began one column by stating that he was not a Christian. He said that he was an atheist because he, that he said that he was not an atheist because the atheist says there is no God. I suppose you would have to class me as an agnostic, he wrote. The agnostic says there may be a God, but if there is, I don't know it. Actually, I'm prone to believe there's a supreme being. I don't, I do not believe that everything here just happened. I believe there was a creator somewhere, but I've never read the Bible. I don't attend church. One reason I don't is that the Christians say about God and doesn't agree with what uh, the Creator should be, nor of what I can see in nature. He said, every minister says God is everything and under control. He's running everything. And then he said this, Adam, I give you dominion over all the work of my hands. Genesis 1, 26, 27, and Psalms 8, 6. God did not say, I'm going to dominate through you. He said, I give you dominion over the work of my hands. Therefore, Adam had dominion on the earth and this world. He was the, he was the, he was the, uh, the caretaker, or we could use the word God over the earth. That's wrong, but in a sense, that's what we're trying to say. He was the caretaker. And then it goes on to say this. Adam had dominion over the earth and this world. He was originally, in a sense, what I just said. But Satan came, lied to Adam, and Adam committed high treason and sold out to the devil. And then devil, the devil became that God of this world. Not God, but over the dominion of this planet in, in terms of what he does. But Satan came and lied to him and took control, became the custodian. It's a good word. Second Corinthians 4, 4 calls Satan the God of the world. As such, he has dominion in this world, through the people of this world. We can have dominion. He will be the God of this world until Adam's lease runs out. God cannot legally and justly move in and take away that dominion that he gave Adam and the devil. The devil has dominion. 
He has the legal right because he's at, he has essentially Adam's lease. And God cannot do anything unless somebody down here asks him to do it. I hope that makes sense to somebody. It is our voice. It is our voice speaking God's word. To just say God's in control, does that mean God's in every war? That he caused all the wars? That he causes, that God's in control, he caused all the rape? I mean, to say things like that is is inferior to the word of God. The truth is that God gave us dominion and authority. He gave us control. He gave us Jesus to give us the rights to come to the Father with His Word and control our environments. And whatever God says I can pray, I have dominion when I pray it. God doesn't allow me to pray what doesn't. See, I can't manipulate people. I can't do that. I can't pray and manipulate the coach to play my son. My son has to ask God to give him the ability to win the job. Has to show up to practice every day and God gives him the strength to do that. Has to, oh, I mean, has to go through the hardships of not being the quarterback. I mean, I don't think anybody's getting what I'm talking about. But he has the ability to go to God and say, God, number one, keep me safe, protect me, watch over me. Make sure if I get in, it's the right time to get in. Don't let me look like a fool and abused and stupid. Let me be used by, I mean, we have authority to take control of our life through the word of God. And we can't just stand aside and say, well, God will just have people get saved. He didn't say that. He said, you pray for laborers to go in the field of harvest that they... Today I want to inspire you, church. I'm at the end of what I wanted to say. But we have prayer every day at Family Worship Center. Make a prayer meeting over the next week. Come on. Come on. Get up at 6.30 in the morning or 6 in the morning. Whatever the time the prayer is, get here in time to pray. Come at 10.30 on Saturday morning if you can't make one of the week. Come on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Come pray with me. Start this week with me. I hope I pray, I pray that it's getting in your spirit. These aren't just words that pass through one ear and pass out the other. This is to get into your hearts. Prayer is essential. It is absolutely important. In finishing my scripture, let's go one more time to 2 Timothy and let's finish it out. Supplications, intercessions, giving thanks be made for men. Verse 2. This is 1 Timothy 2, verse 2. For kings, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a peaceable, quietable life, quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Who will have men saved everywhere and come to the knowledge of the truth? There's one God, one mediator between God and man, that man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher, an apostle, and I speak the truth in Christ, not a lie, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and variety. I will, therefore, that men everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubt, pray.
I would that you would pray everywhere. Father, I pray over this audience today, Lord, as we're just touching on this surface of this subject. God, I ask you, God, that you inspire our church to pray, that we come back to the function we were called to. My house shall be called a house of prayer. You said pray without ceasing. Lord, let it get in our hearts. Because we know by prayer, we give entrance to your will. We speak your will into existence because we can call those things that be not as though they are. We speak health and vitality, liberty and blessings over our homes, over our children, over all that we do. Father, we know that your word spoken out of our mouths brings entrance to your will into our lives. So it's so in Jesus' name. I speak it over them. I call them blessed from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. We speak it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, I want you to tell somebody you love them as you leave this house. Hug somebody's neck in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you for everyone that came.